engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is on Luke chapter 6 verses 17 to 26, the Beatitudes, and it is entitled Good News Shared. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Chapter 6, beginning at the 17th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal regions around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. But as we uh, open up the sermon on the plane, please pray for me and as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, we thank you that you're a God who speaks to us and that you're a God who wants to bless us, but also a God who wants to warn us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to heed your warnings and apply them to our lives so that we might be blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. On Tuesday, the Brown family decided to take the plunge and buy a new fridge. The last fridge we had was a hand-me-down and uh, the, the trays were falling out and it wasn't really cooling things. Uh, and when the, when the guys brought in the new fridge, they said, oh my goodness, that's a bit of an antique. <laughs> and so as Zoe and I were admiring the glory of the new fridge, you can guess what the boys were doing. Anyone, anyone want to hazard a guess? 
They were playing in the box. Yes, exactly. They made a cubby inside the box. Now, at one point, Jude got so enamored, he got so excited about his cubby box that he lost his way. It was a very big box. And he said, Dad, can you come get me out of here? (laughs) They took tables and chairs and blankets inside and had a great time building a whole new world inside their box. It's amazing how exciting building a new life for yourself can be and how creative our minds can be when new blessings come into our lives. As we reflect, as I reflected on today's passage, I thought about how that's exactly what we do as people. We love to make ourselves at home and create a space where we can thrive. We love to feel blessed But danger comes when we box ourselves in, when we get too satisfied with possessions, or when, like my kids, we don't want to get out of the cubby. When we feel so comfortable, we get stuck in time and can't see the wood for the trees. In Luke 6, Jesus gathers his disciples together and shares the good news with them. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a a great number of people. What follows is what's often called the Sermon on the Plain. Today we're going to hone in on the blessings and the woes that come at the beginning of the sermon as Jesus shares with his disciples how we can be blessed and what we are to avoid. Today we're going to see that uh, Jesus shared the good news with the crowd. Then we're going to see that there's more outside the cubby. And we'll also see that Jesus is showing us how to make sure that we don't miss out. Then we'll look at some simple applications for our lives. So first up, good news shared. We've come to a point in Luke where the good news is really being sent out. It's really being broadcast. Last week, we saw Jesus calling his first disciples, Peter, James, and John. And since then, Jesus has healed a man of leprosy. He's given, forgiven a paralyzed man and healed him. He's given a tax collector a new lease on life, and the tax collector, Levi, decides to give away all his money. And he's gotten himself in hot water with religious people for his teachings. Goodness seems to flow out of Jesus. And in Luke 6, 17, we read, a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus shares the good news, but at the same time, he prays for people and good things happen. People are healed and evil spirits are sent packing. While some think preaching is more important than action, and others think action is more important than preaching, Jesus here won't separate the two. He shares all of himself as power comes out in his teaching and in his prayers. As he does so, he begins to share the good news of living the good life, of living a blessed life. He says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Now from the get-go, this is upside-down kingdom kind of stuff. Remember when we did the upside-down kingdom series, and we talked about how God's kingdom is the inverse of what we think a kingdom should be. Who would ever think poor, hungry, or weeping people would be blessed? Now, in order to get our heads around what Jesus is saying, we need to actually figure out what Jesus is not saying. Aussie commentator Leon Morris, who I'm going to be talking about a lot throughout this Luke series because he just wrote a, he wrote a brilliant commentary, um, he points out that Jesus isn't glamorizing poverty here. Poverty can be a curse just as much as it's a blessing. He's also not saying that one group is better than another. Instead, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, many of whom were poor. But some, like Peter, was a fisherman and he owned a business. Others, like Levi, were tax collectors. But what they all had in common was they knew that they were spiritually poor. And they knew that material blessings were not the key to happiness. Many of Jesus' listeners were poor. And what all the disciples had in common was a hunger for, a thing, for the things of God. A realization that all the prosperity in the world is meaningless without God. And this is the key to understanding what Jesus is talking about when he talks about what it is to be truly blessed. Just like my boys enjoying their cubby, or Zoe and I getting too wrapped up in our new fridge, it's good to enjoy the blessings of God, but living forever inside the cubby would be hell. This is the nature of the timing of the Beatitudes. Beatitudes speak of a current blessedness in the now, whilst looking forward to the future. It's enjoying the cubby whilst noticing the world around you. It's knowing that while you may be poor, hungry or sad now, God sees you now and will change your circumstances in the future. This is why Jesus can say, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. The prophets all throughout the Old Testament had horrible lives by any standards. They tried to live for God when everyone was rejecting him. They took messengers from God to the people who insulted them and told them that they were evil for their message. None of the prophets were ever revered as holy people during their lifetimes. And some were even killed for their words. And yet Jesus calls these people blessed. As an aside, you may have noticed uh, that the proposed religious discrimination bill didn't get passed in Parliament last week. The debate was toxic and sad, and while I do feel people of faith will be put under increasing pressure to change our beliefs and or abandon them altogether in the future, I don't think the government should be responsible for protecting us. Here Jesus points out that following God will put you on the wrong side of people who don't. Just as following people who don't love God will put you on the wrong side of God. 
And so it's God who we need to look to for protection and for redemption, not organisations, courts, or even governments. The hymnist writes, On Christ the solid rock I stand, or other ground is sinking sand. Our hope and our trust and our protection is in the Lord. And this is where Jesus takes us in the next stanza. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want us to miss out on God's blessings. Instead, he says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. The woes are an exact correlation of the blessedness. Notice there's, there's four blesseds and there's four woes. The word Jesus uses for woe um, is oi in Greek. Or in Jesus' language, which was Aramaic, it would have been something like, why, why? It's not a threat. It's a sound of regret and compassion. Jesus is not saying, pick up your socks or else. He's pointing out how terrible it will be for those who can't see beyond the cubby. So many of us have been taught through TV, social media, movies, and popular culture that the period between when we're born and when we die is all we've got. There is no God, there is no spiritual realm, there is no life after death, and life has no meaning beyond your own personal happiness. This way of looking at the world is subtly taught almost everywhere you look. It's in advertising, movies, books, And it's a great way to get people to buy things and to prompt economic growth. But it's a terrible way to live. And that's why Jesus says, Woe to you who are rich. This corresponds to what Jesus has to say about the poor. He's not condemning people who are rich, but he's saying that we're in trouble when we think that we've got it made. People who are asset rich are so often spiritually poor. And empty inside. Comfort now is not a guarantee of being blessed in the future. Again, Jesus says, Woe to you who are well fed. It's not a sin to have a good feed. But this corresponds for what Jesus says about the hungry. Notice the hungry will be fed and the fed will go hungry. It's all about timing and what we value ultimately. Being rich and self-satisfied is not a guarantee that God's blessing you. In fact, Jesus is pointing out that so often we get so distracted by comfort and by the blessings of life that we can't see outside of the cubby and we miss out on God's spiritual reality outside. Life isn't about feathering your own nest. It's about relationships relationships with God and with the people around you. The third woe seems strange. Woe to you who laugh. But here Jesus isn't being anti-fun. Jesus laughed a lot and he knew how to have a good time. In fact, in chapter 5 of Luke, Jesus gets into trouble for going to parties and having too much fun. 
But here Jesus is calling out the laughter of people who look down on others. Those who weep now will laugh, and those who make fun of them will weep outside the kingdom of God in eternity. The final woe is for those who are well spoken of. Reputation was everything in Jesus' world. It was an honour-shame culture. In Australia, our culture has traditionally been guilt and innocence, and that's, that's what's important for us. Uh, but increasingly, we're becoming an honour-shame culture as well, as people are slammed publicly. And yet it's amazing how popular opinion changes. Yesterday's election winners are fronting up to today's Integrity Commission. Popular pastors and religious figures are quickly falling from grace and are being exposed. Leon Morris again writes, a true prophet is too comfortable, is too uncomfortable to be popular. A true prophet is too uncomfortable by the message of God to be popular. This all sounds a bit depressing, but again, Jesus is calling us into the kingdom of God. He's concerned for us, warning us, not looking toward our demise, but praying for our redemption. He's calling us to repentance before it's too late. So I want to offer three simple applications as we finish up. First is to look outside the cubby. Sometimes we can get so boxed in by pursuing our own comfort and happiness, by keeping up with the Joneses, that we miss out on the world that God has for us. This is why daily prayer, Bible reading, and church are vital. They open us up to God and the life he made for us. One of the reasons Jesus takes his disciples to the plains and mountaintops is to give them time and space to be with God. If you're too busy to spend time with God, you're missing out. Look outside the cubby. The second application is don't give up. It's easy to think, well, I'm not as rich, satisfied, or happy as people around me, so obviously God isn't there, or God doesn't care about me. Jesus says exactly the opposite. He says, you are known and you are loved by God. He sees your struggles, your anxieties, and pains. But all the woes this world has to throw at you are a drop compared to the blessings God has in store. Jesus promises that even though our lives will have trouble, we can be blissfully happy in knowing that God is with us in the now. Knowing that he is with us in our struggles and promises us manifold blessings into eternity. Don't give up. The final application is that we need to share the whole gospel. Blessings and woes prayers and actions. Jesus shows us that we, if we only talk about the goodness of God, about the nice things, without recognizing his just judgment, we are like the false prophets. The false prophets would continue to say, it's okay, it's all right, God's happy with you, you do what you like, do what makes you happy. And that made them popular. 
but it turned people away from God. So often I hear the people ask the question, well, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? And this is a great question. But God has literally given us a whole book. In fact, he's given us 66 books about the problem of suffering and how God is going to redeem us. The fact that this question is so common is because we're not preaching the whole gospel. We're not telling people that suffering and evil are the result of sin. And God is redeeming all creation. Jesus stares suffering and sadness straight in the eye and says, I am so good that I will take your suffering on my shoulders. I will go to the cross so that you might be redeemed. And I am redeeming a people who will take the good news of God to the hungry, to the poor, and to those who weep. And I will share my blessings with them so that their circumstances might be changed. Let's not try to sugarcoat the good news. Let's share the blessings and the woes together. The fact that some people reject the good news doesn't mean that it's not good news and it doesn't mean that it's lost its saving power. Next week, we'll look at the second half of the Sermon on the Plain. But as we wrap up today, let's see how Jesus shared good news. Let's see how Jesus encouraged us to look outside the cubby. And let's see how the good news of the kingdom of God cuts across what our world wants and turns it upside down. God doesn't want us to miss out on his best. And so let's press on in Christ. Let's look outside the cubby and let's keep sharing the fullness of God's justice, mercy, wonder and love in word and in action to a world that needs to know. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.